and I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you, Jesus. Once again, I pour out my life. And once again, I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you, Jesus. Once again, I pour out my life. Yeah, Jesus, we, we just thank you for the cross. Uh, thank you that you gave your life for us. Uh, thank you that your body was broken and your blood shed for us. In your death, you gave us life. Thank you that we can rejoice in you when the grace and the mercy of God appeared. Father, we want to thank you that you have appeared to us, like Paul was sharing with us earlier. You have changed us. You have transformed us. You have given us new desires. And we want to thank you for, yeah, the many others who are yet to come. And thank you for our friends who are going to be responding to baptism today and effectively saying that this is what Jesus has done in me. We rejoice in you, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, so we finish off our, our Matthew series this morning. Uh, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 28. And so if you, you have your Bibles, you want to please stand with me to Matthew chapter 28 as we consider the subject of baptism in water. Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 19 and then 20. And this is what it says to us. I'll start from 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, Like I said earlier, I'm going to be speaking to us on the subject of of baptism in water. And um, I am aware that particularly with this subject, there tends to be quite a lot of controversy uh, and a lot of confusion around this subject. But I believe with all my heart that oftentimes when we have issues like that, the best thing to do is to just turn to Scripture, just go back to God's Word and then basically seek to ask yourself, what does God say about it? So what I think doesn't really matter, what you think doesn't matter, but what God thinks or what God says really, 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 really matters. And so we will be getting into scripture and then seeking to understand this a bit more. To just say from the very onset that I was feasting a lot on a book written by, by John Groves. It's called Foundations. And he kind of like just gives a lot of insight on this whole subject of baptism. So you could, you could look out for that. It's a simple easy read. It's called Foundations and basically looks at, at key things um, of the faith. Well, in this, in this passage that I just read to us from Matthew chapter 28, I just need to try and then put things into context. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. And um, it's important that we understand that the key thing Jesus says to us in that passage is make disciples. So the key thing he says in there is make disciples. But he also adds that In seeking to make disciples, what I want you to do is to baptize them and then teach them. So effectively, Jesus was saying that 
as we seek to make disciples, as we seek to teach people to become like him, he also acts on the need for us to baptize them. And um, I also would want to, just from the very onset, try to help us understand this word baptism or this term baptism. And it's important that we, we get to grips with the original word, which so the original Greek word is baptizo. Okay, the original Greek word baptizo. And basically, that word means to immerse, to dip, or to submerge. So the, the original word is baptizo, to dip to emerge, sorry, to to submerge or to immerse. That's what the word means. And so when we we consider baptism in water, basically what we are saying is to dip, to submerge, or to immerse in water. If we're working with the root word or what the root meaning of the word baptizo is, it means to dip, to immerse, or to submerge in water. And I also want to mention that when we consider baptism, it's actually a very, very, very important part of our lives as children of God. In fact, baptism gets its importance from Jesus' death, his burial, and then his resurrection. Baptism is closely connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism is closely connected to the gospel, which is the fact that this is the gospel, that Jesus came to this earth. He found us. He died on the cross according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. And guess what? On the third day, he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. And so when we, we seek to do baptism, we are, we, are, we are connecting ourselves to the Lord Jesus. We are effectively connecting ourselves to this gospel that we proclaim. That Jesus died for us. That Jesus was buried. And that on the third day, hallelujah, he rose from the dead. And I'll be explaining a bit more about that as we, we go on. So everything we do during baptism is about Jesus. Isn't that exciting? Everything we do during baptism is about Jesus. As our friends get in there and we lower them into water and we raise them up again, it's all about Jesus. Jesus has already walked that path. And our friends will be seeking to say we want to walk that path with Jesus as well. Seven key things I want to highlight quickly for us about baptism. And then hopefully I'll bring my talk to an end. The first is this. When we consider baptism in water, the first thing we need to know is that it is not man's idea. It is not some church tradition that has been passed on from generation to generation. Baptism is God's idea. And we see that in the Matthew passage I read to us. It was Jesus speaking here to his disciples. And then he says, he says to them, go and make disciples, baptizing them. It actually stemmed from Jesus speaking to his disciples. It was his idea, go and make disciples and baptize them. So when we consider the subject of baptism, it is not man's idea at all. It is actually something that Jesus commands. And he says, go and baptize them. Jesus commands it. Secondly, baptism is also an act of obedience. You see, if Jesus said to us, or if Jesus said to me, Sam, grow your hair that much. Now, if I did that, what would I be doing? I will be 
obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus said to me, Sam, can you grow a beard? And I, he said, grow a beard that long. And I did that. I will be living or walking in obedience to the Lord Jesus. Also, so because Jesus commands it, when we respond to his word, effectively, we are saying, Jesus, we trust your word and we want to be obedient to your word. So baptism is an act of obedience. Number three, a very, very, very important one. Baptism is for believers. Baptism is for those who have already come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to make a point here. Baptism does not make anyone a believer. Baptism does not make you a Christian. Baptism does not make you a child of God. Baptism expresses on the outside what has already happened internally. All right, so baptism does not make you a Christian. It is for believers. And we find this in scripture. Jesus, in the same Matthew passage, Jesus says, make disciples and then baptize them. So we have to make disciples first, preach the gospel, see people saved, and then baptize them. So baptism follows on the back of people becoming disciples. In Mark chapter 16, verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized... In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter preaching, he, he replied, repent and be baptized. So turn away from your sins, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then be baptized. So all through scripture, we never find this order reversed. It was always repentance and then faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then baptism. And I think that it's very, very important that we understand that. So baptism is for believers. And even when you consider the Philippian jailer, it says that he, he turns around after the, uh, the, the Lord Jesus had broken the gates of prison and then Paul and Silas were out. He said, oh dear, he wanted to disappear. And then they said to him, no, 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 we're still here. They share the gospel with him. He gets saved and then baptism followed on from there. And then you could also consider many other stories but all through scripture we find that it was always repentance and then faith in the lord jesus and then that followed uh, on with with baptism so it is for believers number four baptism is by immersion i think that when we consider the meaning of the word all right so the root word baptizo it means to immerse to submerge to dip in water. And so therefore, when we sprinkle water, I'm going to get quite difficult here. When we sprinkle water on people, I, I, I don't think we actually are doing baptism because if we are seeking to align ourselves with scripture, with what the Bible teaches us, remember it is God's idea. Baptism is ordained by God. It's not man's idea. If we're seeking to align ourselves with scripture, then ultimately we want to do it the way God has actually spelled it out clearly to us in scripture. So it is by immersion. And um, in the New Testament, again, we discover in John chapter 3, verse 23, we discover that John needed a lot, a lots of water. The, the, the Bible says he needed plenty of water to do, to do baptism. In Mark chapter 1, verse 10, that confirms the baptism of Jesus. It says, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, it speaks of him having been immersed in the water. And then ultimately, Philip and then the Ethiopian eunuch. 
as they, as they went along, the Ethiopian eunuch turns to him and he says, this is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And then they went in and then, and then Philip, Philip baptized him. So it is by immersion. Number five, baptism identifies us with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I want us to turn quickly to Romans chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, Romans chapter 6. Just read a few verses from there. Romans chapter 6 verses 4 to verses 8. Romans chapter 6. It says to us, I'll start from verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. I like that. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. This is it. You see, when we're baptized into Christ, or when we give ourselves to baptism, we're actually baptized into Christ's death. Our old self is crucified in order that we may be set free from sin, And in order that we may receive power to live a new life. The very moment you become a Christian or a child of God, your life is linked with the life of Jesus Christ. I find that so encouraging. That the very moment I ask Jesus into my life, the very moment you ask Jesus into your life, your life was linked with the very life of Jesus Christ. Now, you were baptized or immersed into him. And what happened to him happened to you as well. So effectively, we die his death and we are raised to new life with him. The very moment we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You died with him to sin and its power over you. And you rose with him to a brand new life. When we are baptized... We basically are identifying with Jesus. By faith inwardly, we have come to know Jesus. On the outside or outwardly, baptism expresses this union with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we, we are connected. We are connected with Jesus. That is amazing. Think about it. Jesus has given us his very life. The new life we receive when we get saved is the very life of Jesus Christ. Maybe just think about that, ponder over that for a minute. The life you have is the very life of Jesus Christ. Number six, it is a symbol of new life. Romans chapter six, verse four says to us, it says to us in verse four, that we too may live a new life. And so when we give ourselves to baptism, we are saying, Jesus, I want to live in this newness of life that you give to us. And then finally, number seven, Jesus says, do this in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. And to just explain a bit about this, I don't think he, he just says, mentioning the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But basically, Jesus was saying, don't do this thoughtlessly. He was saying, do this with some reverence. You need to understand what you're doing. So baptism is not a swimming lesson. You see, I can't wear a hurricane shirt and expect that I'll play center forward for England. It doesn't work that way. So the fact that I go about in Hastings wearing a hurricane shirt, so it says Cain and number nine, doesn't mean that I play center forward for England, does it? No, it doesn't work that way. So basically his point was, you've, you've got to understand this, that it's not something that ought to be done thoughtlessly, but do it with all reverence. Invite the Father. Invite the Son invite the Holy Spirit to come and be a part of what you do. You remember Jesus' baptism? One of the few times we see, you know, the Trinity. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Baptisms are significant times. They are great times to encounter God. So we do it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just some practical bits. Uh, So what do we mean by what we do? Well, when we go down in the water... This is what we are saying. Lord Jesus, you died on the cross for me. From now on, my old life is dead. I have broken with sin. When you are under the water, you are saying, Lord, just as you were buried in the tomb, so my old sinful life is now buried in water. This baptism is effectively my funeral. And then number three, when you are lifted up out of the water, you are saying, Lord Jesus, you were raised from the dead by God's power. And by that power, I can now live a totally new life. And that's what our friends are going to be doing this morning. Identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ in his death, in his uh, burial, and in his resurrection. To finish off. How do we respond to this? Two responses. For those who already have a relationship with the Lord Jesus but have not yet been baptized. Maybe some of you considered it something very costly because you wondered if you could go through with it actually. It is a big deal. It's not child's play. It's a big deal. Well, remember what Jesus did for you, I'll say to you. He actually died for you and identified completely with your sin. And he wants you to identify with him and also confess openly. I am in Christ. My old life is dead and buried. From now on, Jesus is my Lord and I am living for him. For those who are already saved but have never given themselves to baptism, I really want to encourage you. Find somebody you trust and speak to them. You could speak to one of the leaders here. I mean, Paul is here. Paul, let's say, Paul, Paul, speak to either of them. I'm certain that they'll be willing to, to help you uh, with that. What about those of us who do not as yet have a relationship with the Lord Jesus? Well, I, I want to say to us that, you see, sometimes we can be so aware of our sin that we are so overawed about the fact that God even thinks about us. We are so aware of the fact that we live in sin that we say to ourselves, I don't think God will ever want to have anything to do with me. But I want to say to you this morning, no, God is a God who pursues us. God is a God who searches until he finds. And I want to encourage you that God is looking out for you. 
I, I can think of the story of Zacchaeus. He climbed up that tree. He just wanted to just, you know, just steal a glance at Jesus. Jesus is passing. Jesus looks up and he says, today, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your home. Later, we discover in the story, Zacchaeus would find life in the Lord Jesus Christ. I can think of the, the woman who was caught in adultery. Everybody ready and wanting to stone her. Jesus says to them, well, whoever is here and has never sinned before, you cast the first stone. It says that the men left first. I always find that makes me laugh all the time. But amazingly, nobody throws a stone. Jesus turns to the woman and he says to her, hasn't anybody condemned you? She says, no. Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. Jesus pursues us and he wants us. He does that because he loves us. I also want to say to us that Jesus has already bore the penalty for sin. So you don't have to die that death. Jesus has already made a way for you to come through. Let me just use this illustration. It might help you understand. I think it was sometime in 1981. Somebody reported to the police of their car being stolen. True story in California. And so the police started the search. Over time, the police would discover that in that same car, the guy had a pack of biscuits that had been laced with rat poison. And the idea was he had laced the biscuits with rat poison because he was wanting to deal with some, some rats in his house. But at this point, it wasn't just a matter of trying to find this car. It was more a matter of trying to save this thief from beginning to eat those biscuits. Because if he did, he was going to die. And so the police had to send messages via radio, via the internet, on television saying, look, if you have stolen this car, we really want to say to you, do not touch those biscuits. <laughs> now, the funny thing is, many of us often tend to be like this thief. We feel the police want us because they want to like, you know, put us in jail, which rightly so we deserve. But in that moment... What the police and the owner of the car wanted to really do was to just have this guy bring the car back and say, I have not touched any of those biscuits. Those biscuits are like sin. And effectively, if we continue to play with them, it brings separation from God. But if we can just turn that car around, drive to the police station and say, I am the one. Hopefully, we wouldn't have eaten any of the biscuits. We would find salvation. We will be saved. Finally, maybe the band can, can come up and um, I would want to just say uh, to parents who have children in tots and um, energy, if you could go and then collect them now, that would be great. And then we can stand together, please. Jesus has, Jesus has already made a way for us to come in. He's, he's paid the penalty. And if 
I mean, you're here today and you, yeah, you know that you don't as yet have a relationship. I really would want to urge you, just come and have a chat to, uh, to Paul or Paul, to, to both Pauls. You know, catch up or speak to somebody at the end of this meeting. God pursues you. God loves you and he, he wants to have a living relationship with you. Let me just explain it this way. You see, I know at the minute it's football season, so let me just use another football analogy. You, you, you play in the England team, and you're losing. Just an assumption. I know you're not losing at the minute. But you're losing, and you are one of the central defenders. And you're losing, and so obviously you're trying to do everything to, not, I mean, to stop any balls from going in. And then you, the central defender, bring somebody down in the box. And the referee says, he points to the penalty spot. Penalty. Your team is losing. And now the opposing team has been awarded a penalty. At that moment, the camera is zooming on you. You see your face on the large screen. You cause the penalty. At this point, you're thinking the only way out would be for the goalkeeper to save that penalty. And then it gives you hope. And guess what? Time for the penalty. The ball is placed there. You look your goalkeeper teammates in the eyes and say, please help us out. So he's there. Opposing team member kicks this penalty. And guess what? Like Pickford, he saves it. Now, let me just ask you, how would you feel at that point? A lot of people said to me, English people are reserved. I didn't find that during the football games at all. <laughs> there was nothing like English people are reserved, certainly not with football. This is what Jesus has done for us. We were the problem. He sorted out the problem. And he says to us, would you come? Amen.
Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Why don't we uh, quickly grab a seat? Excellent. We're now going to uh, have the baptisms, uh, which is absolutely great. Paul, do you want to jump in the pool? That's brilliant. Um, just, just to say that if, if you have been bapti- baptised here today, actually this speaks of what has happened to you. This speaks that you have died, you have been separated from the power of sin and that you have been raised to new life by the glorious power of the Father. And so it speaks, it's a testament, it speaks something of that's happened to you personally. We are involved um, in it. So why don't we, um, I know the ch- children, you guys often like to go near the baptism pool, you're welcome to do it. Please stay behind uh, the, uh, the barrier and the black whatever it is, that black barrier thingy, just because it's slippery there. I think we're going to put it, oh, it's up. We can see a sort of a, a dark shadowy figure of Paul there in the water. Um, why don't we head over? And uh, um, Ashley, do you want to jump in first? That's great. Not only did the baptism pool leak, um, the heating didn't work in it either. So it's nice and cold, the water. So, uh, but if there's a day, any day for it to be like that, this is a good day, I guess. So this is Ashley. Ashley, would you like to say hello to everyone? Hi, everyone. Hello. Does everyone like to say hello back? But we've got a whole, everyone in this auditorium is really rooting for you. Really pleased that you want to get baptised today, okay? Can you, do you want to tell us a bit about why you want to be baptised? I've decided to be baptised because I believe that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for my sins and I'm ready to start my new life and follow him. Brilliant. Let's give a round of applause. Ashley, can you uh, step this way a little bit, and uh, can you just repeat these statements after me? Is that all right? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. On the confession of your faith, it gives us great pleasure to baptise you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Alicia, where are you, Alicia? Brilliant. Well done, Alicia. In you jump. Alid. Do I record this? The audio of this now? <laughs>